Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. My name is Yumiko, and I just want to make sure everything is good to go. Yes? Awesome. My name is Yumiko. I'm a friend, a happy friend of、uh, Wellspring Covenant Church, and it's so great to be worshiping with you, especially if you're new to this church. Welcome. I'm so glad you're here.、Uh, we are continuing our summer, summer sermon series, Cruciformed, and we've been in the past several weeks, we've been looking at New Testament and looking at the cross and how that cross impacts our lives. And from today, starting today, we are going to actually open up the Old Testament to continuing our Cruciformed series. Old Testament, Jesus wasn't there. Is there a cross in there? We shall see. But before we dive into the text, I want you to do something for me, if you will.、Um, go ahead and pull out the sermon outline. If you're watching on, online, I'm,、um, I, was, I think there's a downloadable link somewhere that you can, you can download. Yes, so you can download, go ahead and download that. If you don't have the sermon online with you, you can go get that through that door if you're right here on your right and、uh, you can find it. And once you have that sermon outline in your hand or on your devices, if you have a paper one, flip it over. If you have one on your device, don't open it. And while you're at it, if you are so good to bring your physical Bible and have it open up for the today's passage, I'm going to close the Bible. If you have it on your phone, well, you don't have to close it, you can just flip it. Okay, seeing that, people enjoying the refreshment and happily seated in the space. Are you guys all ready? Yes, ready. I like how people say ready, not knowing what they are ready for. <laughs> Love that spirit, yes. Glad you are ready for a Bible pop quiz. All right, winner of this quiz will get this delicious prize of my favorite samurai ice cream. If you are watching online, don't worry. If you are the winner of this game, text me your address. It's my number. I'll bring it to you. <laughs> Okay, are you ready? Today, we will be studying,、um, we start studying our Old Testament passages, and we start that、um, Old Testament reading by studying about Passover. Passover. I think you probably heard about this. So let me ask you this question What exactly is Passover? What exactly the word Passover means. You have three choices. First, the Passover means the night when all the firstborns of Egypt,、uh, Egyptian people, were destroyed. That's your option one, A. Or, Passover means B, the lamb that Israelites killed and ate in the first month of that year. Or, Passover means C, a Jewish holiday. Jewish people celebrate this holiday by feasting and talking story. A, terrible, so your choices are A, terrible night for Egyptians, 
B, sacrificial lamb. C, a Jewish holiday. Which one is the Passover? Love that Jeopardy music lined up perfectly. The um, what's the name for the this wonderful gifted people team? That team. Live street team. Excellent. Thank you so much. Okay, let's see. I know some of you are eager to give me an answer, but let's see by show of your hands how many of you had an answer. A, a terrible night for Jewish people, the Egyptian people. Okay, I got. About nine, I think, and I can't tell how many are online. If you're online, go ahead and type out your answer. How many of you had answer B? Oh, I like the decisive one person raising hand for answer B. How many of you had answer C, a Jewish holiday, and I see the one person hand still up? All right. To see who got it right, let me tell you a story. About 3,500 years ago, God's people, the people of Israel, were suffering in Egypt in slavery. During that time, uh, their conditions were really hard, so people cry out to God and say, God, God, this is so terrible. What is happening? And help us. And the Lord heard their voice finally, says the Deuteronomy 26, 7, and a God called a man named Moses to be their leader. Moses, appointed by God, went to the Egyptian leader, Pharaoh, and talked to Pharaoh, said, hey, you have God's people as your slave. You need to let them go. And then Pharaoh says, nope. Those are my people. Those are my slaves. I'm not letting them go. So Moses went back, and oh, God, um, Pharaoh is not letting them go. And God said, okay. Let's see what we can do. God brought nine different plagues to the land of Egypt. And every single time, Pharaoh badges a little bit and, oh, maybe, oh, never mind, oh, yeah, no, never mind. He never let go of the Israelites. Finally, God tells Moses to instruct the Israelites to kill a sacrificial lamb, paint their doors on the posts with the blood of lamb, then get themselves ready for a long journey. Get the appropriate clothing and a gear on, pack up your, all your belongings, and each family eats the lamb they just killed, says Exodus 12, 21. On that same night, the Lord's angel went through the entire land of Egypt and destroyed all the firstborn of men, human, and uh, people, and the beasts at every household of Egyptian people, says Exodus 12, 12, which led Pharaoh to finally let go of the Israelites. The Pharaoh says, oh, fine, they can go. Please, actually, please go, which marks the beginning of the nation of Israel for the Jewish people. Thus, they celebrate, the Jewish people even today celebrate Passover with a big annual feast every single year at, and at this feast people tell the stories of exodus says exodus 12 24 to 27. so 
I would say answer A, B, C are all correct. Congratulations. You all are winner. So um, there are enough samurai to go around for everyone in this space and people watching. So please enjoy. I'll bring them out after the service. Uh, glorious image. If you haven't had this, you have to try it. It's amazing. Before I moved to Hawaii, I didn't know there's such a great sweet treats existed in this world. And because I lived in, in a town called Brookline in Massachusetts and they don't get samurai over there. This Brookline, uh, town of Brookline, they don't have samurai, but they had lots of Jewish people. That's what they're known for. It's a very famous Jewish town. Actually had a more synagogues than the churches. Um, public schools have so many Jewish people that they actually observe all the Jewish holidays, but not any other holidays. And, um, you know, when you walk on the streets, you see all these restaurants have, like, at a grocery store, a kosher mark, because people, a lot more people eat kosher food. So that's how Jewish the town was. In that town, as you can imagine, Passover was a big deal. It's, it, Passover wasn't the thing you read only in a Bible, but Passover is something they celebrate annually in, um, in the present time. But I didn't know that. So when I first moved to Brookline, one morning I woke up and I was like, oh, I'm out of bread. I got to go get my bread. I went to the closest grocery store, which happened to be the uh, Jewish grocery store. I walk in because I used to go there a lot. I knew where the where their um, bread shelf is. I just walk in, and they have really nice, glorious um, challah bread. It's really plump and sweet and delicious. I was like, I'm going to get myself challah bread today. I went to the shelf, and there's no challah bread. There's actually no bread anywhere. So I'm like, oh, they must have changed the, you know, where they put the challah bread. So I went around all the stores, looked for it. I look every single aisle. I can't find challah bread or any kind of bread. So this nice uh, store clerk that I, I always, you know, see, walk by, and I was like, um, excuse me, I don't see any bread. When are you guys going to done baking? Or where is it? And then she looked at me and said, it's Passover. And she walked away. And I'm standing thinking, what did she just say? She said, it's Passover? Like, I got Passover for bread? What is she saying? And I finally connected the dots after a couple seconds. Um, I'm a little bit slow. but And then I realized, oh, it's Passover. No Jewish customer wants to buy a bread. They don't want to eat a bread. They don't even want to have a bread in their house. And in the store, too, they themselves don't even want to have a bread in their stores because it has yeast in it. It is Passover. The lady there, she wasn't being mean or anything. Uh, Passover is such a familiar part of their lives and the rhythm of the year. They celebrate every single year. They do this so many years, thousands of years. So to her, it was so obvious that there is no way that you will find a loaf of bread or crumb of anything that contains yeast in Jewish store in the, during the Passover season. That's probably why she didn't even think to explain it's a Passover, so there's no bread. She's like, it's Passover. And she expected me to get it, which I didn't, but now I do. 
As such, Passover is such a big deal even today to Jewish people. And it is celebrated by the Jewish people because the very first Passover that's described in Exodus 12 is and was deeply foundational and transformative event for the people of Israel. Passover marks an extraordinary event that happened in the history of people of Israel. For 430 years, the people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, in great sufferings with no home, hope. But after this one specific moment of the history, they were no longer Pharaoh's slaves, but now God's people. They are no longer enchained, but set free. Exodus 12, 3, the verse 3 reads, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on that tenth of this month of every month shall take a lamb according to their father's house lamb, so and so, and it continues. And you will notice that this familiar term that we use in our daily kind of life, congregation, appears in the verse 3. Today, when we say congregation, we say it's a group of people who belongs to a house of worship, certain type of house of worship, like we are the congregation of Wellspring Church. But that was not the case when this word was first used in the Bible. The word congregation actually precedes the existence of the temple or any sort of religious institution that mattered to the Jewish people. The word, the word congregation didn't mean a membership of a religious institution. It meant congregation, it meant the, the word meant God's people, community of God's people. And that word congregation, that was the name that given to the people of Israel as a part of their new identity. And to this God's people, the congregation of Israel, Passover brought freedom, justice, and new life. On the night of Passover, when divine justice was delivered, death came to the Egyptians who exploited, discriminated, and oppressed the Israelites for too long. But life was given to the congregation of Israel God's people, the people who are covered by the blood of the Lamb. Exodus 12 lists and continue listing all the details of Passover, this significant moment in their history that changed and defined who they are as a people and transformed them. And in this event, in this point, what God expected people of Israel to do, what they should expect things to happen, what to eat, and even to say how to commemorate this event of such a magnitude of what God has done to the Israelites. In a verse 2, for example, God tells Moses that because what was about to happen is an event of such a magnitude, what God was about to do would change everything about their life. 
So from here on now, this moment, this day will become, this month becomes the first beginning of the year, first of the month. Just forget about how the world counts the year, that how their calendar goes. For the people of Israel, this month, when God has done something significant, becomes the beginning of the year. God also gave a couple other things, ways for them to remember. But one of the things I want to ask them to um, pay attention to is that God gives instruction about the annual Passover feast, which is outlined in 12, uh, Exodus 12, 14 to 20. Oh, sorry, I didn't, I forgot to tell you, you can look at outline and Bible. I <laughs> just realized, go ahead, you're doing that. <laughs> So if you want to look at the 12, 14 to 12, please do on your Bible or on a phone. But um, going back. So during the Passover, Jewish people um, are not to eat, not to even have in a household, as I said, things with yeast in it, leaving bread. And also hold a holy assembly so that, and they are doing all this little details so that they can tell the stories of what God has done to this people generations after generations. Why in this specific point of the year, every year, we eat this bread that's not fluffy? How, can, how come we can't eat the challah bread? Why do we have to um, count the year differently than the rest of the world? Because God has done something amazing to us, amazing to our people, but we weren't there. We weren't there to see it. We weren't there to experience what the night before. We weren't there to see what was happening outside of their house when Lord's angel was destroying all the first bones and you were in the house locking yourselves, staying and waiting on the Lord. You weren't there to experience the deliverance of God when God took our people out of slavery to the promised land. You weren't there. We weren't there. So we eat this bread and we remember what God has done. For Jewish community, there is nothing more fundamental, foundational, and transformational than a Passover. And to this day, they, comm- they commemorate this event by holding the annual feast at which they share a symbolic meal and tells the story of God's deliverance. We, as I hope you know, are not a congregation of Jewish faith, but the Christian faith. So many of us Christians here, it is not a Passover that holds the funda- uh, fundamental importance for us. For us, for many of us Christians here, nothing is more deeply foundational and decisively transformative than life of Christ culminating in his death on the cross and a resurrection from his death. For those of us who call ourselves Christian the one in Christ, and say that is our identity? Absolutely, absolutely nothing is more important. Nothing is more foundational. Nothing is more transformative than the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How he lived on the earth 
died on a cross, and rose from the dead defines who we are and dictates how we live our lives. What he has accomplished on the cross makes us who we are today. And what he has begun on this earth dictates how we live our lives on this earth. Because we are covered by the blood of Jesus, we are given life. And because Jesus inaugurated kingdom on the cross, on the earth, he brought the kingdom from the heaven to the earth and inaugurated the beginning of the heavenly kingdom because of that we pursue justice on this earth as it is in heaven. And because Jesus rose from dead, we have hope, no matter how hopeless we may feel time to time. Nothing, nothing is more foundational, transformative than Jesus Christ for us. So how do we, Christians among us, respond to this cross, to this amazingly powerful and transformative event that happened in history? We do this, we respond to the cross by breaking the bread together in community and regularly. As we did last Sunday here at Wellspring, we take communion on Sunday worship a regular basis in a sacred space with the bread and the, the wine or juice that symbolizes Jesus, the lamb. We gather in the presence of God as a community and share a symbolic meal that tells the story of God's deliverance on us individually and us as a community of people, God's people. The body of Christ, the blood of Jesus, gave us life and set us free. And by sharing this meal in community with God present, around the sacrificial lamb, we remind ourselves how this magnanimous event in history formed us, and then, and then we reorient ourselves. Our next communion is not till a few weeks, but that's okay. We can still, um, we can still share a meal in community with God around the sacrificial lamb. Communion is not the only place. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, which was three days before the crucifixion, Jesus told the disciples to remember what Jesus was about to do whenever they break the bread and drink the cup. Whenever they break the bread and drink the wine, the cup of wine. For, I mean, the wine and the bread. That was a part of their daily diet for the people in New Testament. And maybe to some of you, I don't know. Uh, but at least for them, that was a part of a daily, daily um, diet. So for them, Jesus' invitation to remember him is not limited to a certain occasion, but it can be done as often as their daily meal every single time they break the bread 
and drink the cup of wine. Which, actually, as a matter of fact, the early Christian in Acts have done so and practiced, as it says in 2.46, they gather together every day, broke the bread, and remember what Christ has done for them. If you have a handout, sorry, I kind of went over, in about a middle section of the handout, both Passover and communion are shared. Uh, that's where you can fill the blank of in community with God's present around the sacrificial lamb. And that's what, that's what we're called to do at communion, but also beyond. Many of us love Jesus Christ. Yes, right? And we want to live as the one bears Christ's name in our identity. But in reality, maybe some of you are not really feeling on fire for Jesus anymore or right now. You used to be passionate about Christ and you wonder what happened to the passion, the fire you felt for Christ. And you may be wondering, oh, is something wrong with me? No. We are feeble-minded beings living in a world filled with distractions and temptations and all these loud voices telling us what to think. Of course, sometimes we get overwhelmed and we forget what Christ has done on the cross. Of course, we get exhausted by just bombarded with so many questions and get confused what exactly it means for me to be a Christian. Questions like, being a Christian means we vote for this party, right? And are we supposed to stay away from certain entertainment, TVs and shows? Question of black lives, blue lives, or all lives matter. Vaccines are not vaccines. We spend so much time reading up about it, liking and unmuting on tweets of what you agree and don't agree, and trying to convince somebody who are not in the same opinion about how we're supposed to live as a Christian. We spend so much time thinking about these questions, but perhaps, perhaps there are more, are there are other questions that's more, that's deeply foundational and more transformative than these questions that we may struggle every day. Don't get me wrong, all this question that I just mentioned about like your politics and your life and how you spend your money, how do you relate to the world, those are all good, important questions for us Christians to struggle. My invitation and encouragement is to spend at least as much, if not more time, asking more deeply foundational and transformative questions to us as Christians, as God's people. These questions include something like, what does cross, the cross of Jesus mean to me today? What does the cross of Christ mean to me today? How did the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ formed me when I first believed 
And how, how is it still transforming me today? These are the questions that you, these are not the questions you answer one time in your testimony and be done with it. The impact of the cross is so much more dynamic, so much more complex than it can be encapsulated in one testimony. And it's a question I think we want to ask as, as Jesus invited ourselves to remind ourselves what Jesus has done and ask these questions regularly and as often as our daily meals. So, if you are part of a small group here at Wellspring, may I may perhaps interest you um, with considering maybe uh, incorporating this rhythm, asking uh, this exercise. And the exercise has two parts. One, read John 19 to 16 and 20 to 10 together. I can post this later somewhere where you guys can go access. Read the Gospel of John 19, 16 to 20, 10 together in your group. And after reading that, share your response to this question. In what way does the life, death, and the resurrection of Christ challenges me today? Read the Gospel of Luke, Matthew, and Mark all have equivalent parts. So pick your favorite. My favorite is John. That's why it's there. But you can all find your part of crucifixion, resurrection. You read that and share a response to the question of how does the cross is challenge me today? And goal is not, goal of this exercise is not for you to list up action items to better yourself, but to share in a trust of the community you share life with honest answer to this question and for you to exercise trust in the person to listen and receive their response as they are. Some of you may have a brilliantly um, formed response to that question, oh God challenges me this way and that way. And some of you may just sitting there thinking the cross, the life challenged me nothing. And if that's your honest answer, I pray and hope that you have a community around you that you can be honest about where you are and say, you know, guys, I read this, has nothing to do, that doesn't do anything to me. And your community to have a trust in you and the work of the Holy Spirit to say, okay, the cross doesn't challenge you now. That's where you are. Some of you, like myself, are not part of the small groups. And if you are, let's join one. Note to myself. <laughs> to join, I trust, I'm, I'm pretty sure we can contact Pastor Rebecca, Pastor team, and they will guide us through the process. Or maybe you're part of some sort of small group outside of this church. This exercise is pretty simple. I invite you to even try do this with the group you have. Or even, okay, it's going to get a little, whew, I don't know how many of you are ready for this? But if you have a group of core because you eat lunch with together, if you have a people you commute together, if you have a neighbors you eat regular meal together, maybe you can go and say, hey, our church, we're challenged to do this thing. I don't have any friends at our church, so can you be my friends? Do this exercise with me. 
And I pray, and you know, with all seriousness, it's a little awkward, right? If you're eating lunch with a coworker, you don't want to be, hey, let's read the Bible. That's the most awkward, uncomfortable things you can do. But I pray, and I pray that Holy Spirit will move you if that is the call for you. And if you do, please let me know how I can pray for you. God can use you to not only remind you, you about what God has done, but give an opportunity to tell the people around you what God has done to you. And perhaps Holy Spirit himself can reveal what God has done to them through this exercise. So I hope this exercise will help us remember what the cross has done going forward this week and months to come. Which would have been a very nice segue if we had a communion this Sunday, but we don't, but that's okay. It's actually better. So, um, since we all got a cup of samurai, you just earned that in the beginning of the sermon, you're all going to have samurai after the summer ice cream after the service. So, let's all share the cup of ice cream together after this service and give thank, in giving thanks to God for what God has done for us and given to us. And perhaps as you enjoy the deliciousness and the wonderfulness of the ice cream, we can ponder on the question, how does the cross challenge us today as individual, but also as a community? Please stand as worship team will lead us in a service.